So let's invite Rolo to come up. So Rolo Bright is a young man who grew up in Hawaii on the islands, right? He grew up on the, on the, on the east side. And he met his future wife at youth group at their church. And uh, lo and behold, they began to kind of serve in youth ministry. They kind of really, like, really grew together in that. Um, and then yada, 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 they ended up coming to Blue Water. And then also, um, at one point in time, if you guys remember Seed Restaurant or Justice Restaurant, Rolo actually was one of the, the chef at that time, during that time. And so God called, eventually God called both of them, Rolo and Malia, to go to uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for three years for them to just really pour into the Lord and just seek where God has them. A lot of training, a lot of insight, a lot of healing, a lot of just empowerment. After three years, God called them back to Hawaii. And in that same time, um, and we've been praying for a keiki pastor, right? A, a family life pastor for about at least two, two, three years. And he is just an amazing fit. One thing that's amazing about Rolo is he's not just about kids. He's really about family. At any point in time, if you were to ask him, what are you thinking about Rolo? He's thinking about kingdom. He's thinking about what does kingdom look like in a church? What does kingdom look like in a family? What does kingdom look like in a marriage? That's his passion. God has pulled that. He just thinks about it day and night, day and night. So I want you to just join me in welcoming our beloved Family Life Pastor, Rolo Bright. Hey, everyone. I wanted to, um, this is a big, okay, this is a big moment. This is a lot different for all of us. It's different for me mostly because now I have, I'm, this is my first time with this Madonna mic, this thing. You, usually I got, you know, mic in my hands and now I have an extra hand and I'm like, what do I do with my, I got double the hands. Um, so I got to figure, get used to that. And then I also really wanted to take a selfie because this is a pretty cool moment. So... <laughs> Hey, hey! Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Okay. Hey, guys. I'm Rolo. I'm here today. I'm going to preach at you. And I thank you, Kwok and Lila, for that intro. That was amazing. And um, guys, behind the scenes, it's been pretty crazy the past couple months. And I just really want to honor Kwok and Lila and Julie and Connor. Uh, they've been working really hard to make all these things happen, so I really want to honor them right now. More than you know, they've been doing so much. Uh, also, also wanted to shout out uh, to Jordan, who um, I, I think it's a strong mark of leadership to be able to rest when you need to. You know, every every pastor would consider this a really important day to be here, but he has the wisdom to know that hey. He needs, he needs some time with the Lord, and I, I think it's actually an amazing example of a leader who's able to rest. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to honor him and his family as well. They've been, they've been epic during this time, too, so I just want to bless the saints. Yeah, so, um, hey, glad you made it. I'm Rolo. I am the children's pastor, and kind of like Kwok was saying, me and my wife, we, we really believe that whole healthy families are going to change the world. Uh, we believe that God is a family man and that he wants to um, 
distribute his kingdom through people that will do covenant together and worship Jesus together as a family unit, as a community unit. And that's kind of what's behind like everything I do. It's like my thing. I'm, I'm thinking about how are we going to get God and his kingdom here? And how are we going to build people and families to do that? So that's like my jam. It's my thing. I love it. And uh, I'm honored to be able to be here and speak to you guys today. So, okay, so today is Resurrection Sunday, which is epic. Um, it's the day we celebrate how Jesus rose from the dead. And it's amazing, it's glorious, it's like mind-blowing. But I feel like there are many people that still maybe fully don't understand what it means. Or like, what do we do, what do, we do with the resurrection? Like, it's, it's kind of like this big gift that was given to us. We got this big shiny gift, awesome and large, and we're like, well, that's super nice, but what do, I, what do I do with this? Like, how do I use this thing? You know, because I, we know what to do with um, the birth of Jesus, right? We celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas, and it really represents the fact that God is not separate, that he's with us, and that there's nothing that we can do to stop God from pursuing relationship with us and we celebrate that during Christmas and then we got Good Friday where we celebrate the death of Jesus right that was a couple days ago and that really reminds us that the whole sin issue is completely dealt with right there's no more need for sacrifices and the day Jesus died was also very very epic there was like earthquakes and there was darkness in the sky for a couple hours and then there was this big old thick curtain the 60-foot curtain in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place, it's like four inches thick. Like, it's really big and really thick. And the day Jesus dies, that thing just tears in half to represent the fact that God is with us. There's absolutely no more requirements needed to have a face-to-face -face relationship with God every day of our lives. And then we have the resurrection. The resurrection is where life flowed back into Jesus' dead body, so much so that he rose from the grave and he walked with his disciples for 40 days. He ate with them, he drank with them, he like he did some folded some laundry and walked through some walls before he eventually ascended back up to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But still, like what what, do we, what is the real takeaway of the resurrection, right? Because if sin was dealt with at the cross, what is left to address? What do we do with the resurrection? And that's really what we're going to spend some time talking about today. We're going to dig into some scripture, and we're going to try to look at the event of the resurrection in the big picture and try to see what God is doing in the big picture with, with the resurrection and how it really applies to us today. So we're going to dig in. Is that cool? Yeah, it is. Cool. Cool, guys. <laughs> we're going to start in Luke chapter 4. So Luke chapter 4, this is right after Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And he's led into the wilderness for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, the, the, it says the devil came to tempt him. And there's actually three specific ways that the devil came to tempt him. And we're going to read uh, about one of them today. 
And I want you to pay attention to what the devil says to Jesus because it's going to give us a clue on how to figure out what to do with the resurrection. So let's go. We're going to go verse, uh, verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. So he's kind of like bragging over here. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. All right, so I want you guys to notice something here. The devil uses a very important word here. He uses the word authority. And it's authority over the kingdoms of the earth. Now, why is that important? <laughs> Here's the thing. How did he get this authority? What does it say? It was delivered to him. Somebody delivered this authority to the devil. I'm wanting to know, one, who delivered this authority over to him? And two, why was authority a temptation to Jesus? Because remember, this was a time of tempting for Jesus. So I've got more questions, but we're going to go, we're going to go back and dig into Genesis to find out where all this started. So we're going to go over to Genesis. You guys follow me so far? Am I making sense? You got to like follow me. It's like a big trail, like a mystery. I think of things in like story and trail, so that's just how I do it. Genesis 3. So in Genesis, we have that God created everything, right? And then he creates man and woman, and then he gives them this assignment. He goes, go, be fruitful and multiply, and subdue the earth. Now that word subdue, that's it, that takes authority to do, right? You can't just subdue something as a nobody. Like, I'm not just going to go and take some stuff. It, you know, you need authority to su subdue things. This is actually where the Lord first gave us authority, when he gave us the command to multiply and subdue the earth. So we got this assignment, and then Adam and Eve, they get to live in this awesome garden, right? This beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, but there's one rule, okay? Everyone knows this. There was one rule. They had one rule in the whole garden. It was what? Don't eat that from that tree, right? There was one tree, just one tree. Don't eat from the one tree. Like, you got it. It, easy, you can do all this, just don't do that, right? Easy. And then the serpent comes, and he bends and twists what God said. He changes the story and convinces them that it's a good idea to break the one rule that God gave them. Like, it's very, very silly. So he convinces them to eat the fruit. They take the fruit and they eat it. And this is what happens. We're reading in Genesis 3, chapter 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
So when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they introduced sin into the world, and that created distance, separation between us and God. And that distance just grew and grew with every generation. But that's not the only thing that happened in this transaction. There's another really important thing that happened here. They didn't just disobey God. They also obeyed the serpent. And when they obeyed the serpent, they actually changed lords. Does that make sense? Because I don't care what you say, who you obey is who your Lord is. And when they obeyed what the serpent said, they changed over lords and therefore gave over the authority that was given to them. And at that point, the serpent was able to multiply his kingdom and to change the world for his purposes. We obeyed the serpent, we changed lords, and we gave up our authority. And not only that, you can see that there was another side effect of this. Adam and Eve, they started to see God differently. In fact, when they made the serpent their lord, they started to see God the way the serpent sees God. They took on his perspective. How do I know this? Let me explain. When God says to Adam, where are you? Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. See, that's exactly, that's exactly how the devil sees God. He's scared of him, he's defenseless, and he's afraid of being exposed. You see the connection? Otherwise, there's no other reason for Adam to feel this way towards God all of a sudden. You know, my son, we try to teach him when he makes mistakes, the best thing to do is to come to us and we'll work it out together. The only reason my son would suddenly change and be afraid of me is if someone convinced him that I'm someone else. That all of a sudden my son began to see me as a punisher or a stranger. That's the only reason Adam would have responded this way. And we can see that the world sees God this way. The world doesn't see God as good, which is odd because God is good, right? And God is love. And everybody wants goodness and everybody wants love in their life. But because the world is under the influence of the perspective of the serpent, when the world tries to look at God, they see a stranger, an angry person, a punisher. Luckily, well, fortunately, one of Jesus' objectives when he walked the earth was to reintroduce the goodness of God, to reintroduce the Father heart of God to the earth. And we know this because he said things like, hey, if you see me, you see the Father. And then we watched him as he loved us, as he accepted us, as he healed us, as he delivered us, and as he ultimately died on the cross for us. When we see Jesus, he was the expression of the Father and he was reintroducing us to him. But then he took it one step further when he raised from the dead. And we're gonna read about that here and we're gonna see what happened because of it. Matthew 28. 
verses 16 through 20. So this is after Jesus is raised from the dead. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, even though some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now there's that word again, authority, but who has it this time? <laughs> Somebody, who has the authority now? Jesus has it now. And he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so, like, I don't know what it looked like in between the time where Jesus died and resurrected. But I imagine it went something like this. Jesus dies. He's dead. But then he's still like perfect and blameless, you know? And like death can't really touch him and he can still kind of do what he wants. And so he goes over to Satan and he snatches back those keys that Adam gave to him, those keys of authority. And he leaves the realm of death comes back into his physical body and comes to me and you and he goes, look what I got back. Yeah, that's good. You can clap for that. That's actually really good. He goes, look what I took back. And then he does this. He puts those keys back in our hands. And he goes, let's do this. Let's try this again raise families, and change the world. Except this time, we're going to do it together. So now when we celebrate Easter, we just don't celebrate the fact that he's raised. We celebrate the fact that he gave us our authority back. And that we get to use that authority to display and share the goodness of God and the love of God to every nation. So when Easter comes, we're not just celebrating the fact that he raised from the dead. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus gave us back the keys. Would you please stand with me? We're going to pray. In Revelations 1, verses 17 through 18, it says, Fear not, I am the Alpha and the Omega and the Living One. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus, we're celebrating a ton of things today. We're celebrating the fact that we get to gather together again. We're celebrating the fact that you still move when we sing your praise and that we get to come together and that we don't have to just be forgiven. We get to go and be change agents to the world. 
We get to celebrate the fact that we're safe because you're with us and you're doing this with us. You're here to help us. We're going to go into a time of worship, but I just wanted to, I just felt the Lord releasing a blessing for anyone who felt like, oh man, I, I haven't seen God the way he really is. I haven't seen him as good. I want to encourage you to know there's nothing wrong with you. We all just need a better, <laughs> a fresh encounter with Jesus. We all need a fresh encounter with his Holy Spirit. Lord, we just make you our Lord again today. Please forgive us of any way that we have not made you our Lord. Any way that we decided to obey someone else and make them our God and let them influence us. We repent today and we say, God, you're my God. Will you lead me? Will you influence me? Will you change me? I bless every family, every person right now in the name of Jesus. I bless you to know that the Christ is risen and he's given you back your authority. You no longer have to be a victim. You get to be more than a conqueror. I release that over everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.